Thursday, November 30th, and this is the 1909, the state news' weekly podcast featuring our reporters talking about the news. I'm your host, Alex Walters. This week, I'm flying solo, and we're going to talk about Sanjay Gupta. He was the dean of Michigan State's business school, but these days you probably know his name as one of those MSU buzzwords that's thrown around, a reference to one of the many scandals that you half understand. And that's fair, because it's a lot. It's a big, complicated saga with differing perspectives and borderline boring talk of university policies and shared governance. But it's also an important issue that's played a big role in the recent discourse surrounding MSU. So today we're going to go through it all in detail. And again, it's a lot, but we're going to start pretty simple back in April 2022. It's an end-of-year party for the business school's MBA students. And the event begins with students and staff celebrating, drinking, and dancing together. By the end, it's just the students and one member of the staff, Charles Hadlock. Hadlock wore a couple hats at the B-School. He was the department chair of the finance department. He was a professor and he was an associate dean. And he's also a highly successful researcher. He was a big deal in the college. But late that night, the lone faculty at the party, he strayed from that professionalism. We haven't been able to talk to anyone on the record who was at the party, but we do have an MSU Title IX investigation based on interviews with witnesses and a review of videos from the party. And it found that Hadlock got very drunk and non-consensually touched and sexually harassed multiple students. And in the days that followed, word of Hadlock's conduct spread fast. And that's where Gupta gets involved. Gupta wasn't at the party. In fact, he was out of town on a business trip when it happened. But the day after, two Broad administrators who heard about what happened approached their dean with concerns. Gupta would later recall those conversations, saying that they told him Hadlock was, quote, dancing suggestively and acting inappropriately. He said that someone may have used the word grinding to describe the conduct. And both of them told Gupta that they were concerned and would be reporting the incident to the OIE, which is the MSU office that investigates sexual misconduct. Now, Gupta is a mandatory reporter, meaning that by MSU's policies, he should have reported the conduct to OIE too. But he made a decision not to. He would later say that he made that choice based on two things. One, he knew that the others were already reporting, so he didn't feel it was important for him to additionally report. And two, he says he wasn't sure that the conduct described to him was sexual misconduct. When he would later be asked by investigators about that decision, Gupta said that he didn't know what the word grinding meant. And when they asked him why he assumed it wasn't sexual, if the administrators who told him about it said they were reporting to the OIE, he said he supposed that they were just playing it safe. Later, Gupta would be told about the incident again, this time from Hadlock himself. He told his dean that he got, you know, quote, too drunk and was, quote, really sorry, but he said little else. That's according to Gupta's retelling of the conversation. And Gupta says that he didn't ask any follow-up questions about exactly what happened, because MSU policies prohibit reporters like Gupta from investigating sexual misconduct. They're just supposed to report it to the OIE, who would presumably do the rest. And over the next few months, the summer of 2022, a, a few more people get involved in all this. The OIE, the General Counsel's Office, MSU's Department of Faculty and Academic Staff Affairs, they're all looking at different sides of this. But mainly it's, you know, what did Hadlock do? What did Gupta know? Why didn't he report it? And what did anyone else do about it? And this all coalesces in August, a few months later, when Gupta's boss, then Provost Teresa Woodruff, makes a big decision. She sits Gupta down for a meeting, and she tells him that he has to resign as dean of Broad College. In the more than a year since, Woodruff has said little in public about that choice. But through her interviews with investigators, filings in a lawsuit, and letters we've obtained that she sent to MSU's board, we can piece together her reasoning. 
She says that Gupta's mandatory reporting failure was not acceptable for someone at his level, that he should have known the conduct was sexual and reported it regardless of whether he assumed others would do so for him. She also directly addresses his defense, where he says that the MSU policies prevented him from learning enough to make an informed reporting decision. Woodruff says he's right that he should not have investigated the conduct, but would have been within his rights to ask Hadlock and others some, quote, common sense questions to clarify what they meant. And while she acknowledges that her ousting of Gupta was a big move, she thinks it was right, given the context. She talks about MSU's recent troubled history with sexual misconduct, mainly the Larry Nassar scandal. With all that in mind, Woodruff had the now infamous August 2022 meeting and asked Gupta to resign from his post. He did, sending an email to the college announcing his exit within the hour. But that was far from the end of things. Quickly, this all becomes the saga that you know because MSU's board gets involved. The board was split on Woodruff's decision to remove Gupta. Some of them voted against certifying the personnel report, including his resignation. And after doing that remove, they agreed that more information was needed. They wanted to learn what all went down, who thought what. And so they sought an outsider to review things. So soon after Gupta's resignation, the board hired the law firm Quinn Emanuel to conduct a full outside investigation of everything. And that choice wasn't universally supported. In fact, Woodruff and her boss, then-President Samuel Stanley, both publicly said that it was disruptive and outside the board's authority to hire this firm to investigate their decision-making. But the board stood by it, citing a part of the Michigan Constitution they believe gives them that authority. And while the board wanted those answers from Quinn Emanuel about what exactly happened, they didn't always intend to make those answers public. In December 2022, the firm is now in the thick of its work. The Detroit News revealed that MSU's board was secretly receiving verbal updates from the lawyers. They did so on purpose, according to Detroit News' report, because they thought anything on paper could get leaked or obtained through a public records request. These verbal in-person meetings kept everything just between them and the lawyers. And that was upsetting for Gupta's supporters, mostly faculty and students in the business college, who would go to board meetings and demand that the board commit to releasing the firm's findings in full and stop the secret updates. And also during that period, MSU's leadership changes, putting Woodruff further in the limelight and further enraging Gupta's allies. Stanley resigned shortly after Gupta's ousting and the board's uproar. He said that the board was interfering in his day-to-day running of MSU and that he couldn't stay aboard. And so Woodruff, his number two, was then appointed by the board to temporarily fill his post as interim president, a post she still holds. And that caused even more uproar from Gupta's supporters, who resented her for forcing him to resign. They were going to board meetings, they were speaking out. And so then in February of this year, the board changed course, and they publicly committed to release Quinn Emanuel's findings in full. And that seemed to be on track, until Gupta makes a move that changes everything. Up until that point, in the six months or so since he resigned, Gupta hadn't really said anything He never really told his side of the story. But in late February, he laid out his version of events in a lengthy lawsuit filed against Woodruff, Stanley, and six other MSU administrators that he says played a role in his removal. The lawsuit tells an alternate version of all of this, saying that Woodruff wanted him gone as part of an elaborate presidential succession plot. Gupta says that in June 2022, after Hadlock's conduct, but before Woodruff asked him to resign, and as Stanley's relationship with the board is worsening, he was asked who might succeed him for the presidency if his contract were to be cut short, and Gupta was among the names he threw out. Gupta then says in the lawsuit that that worried Woodruff, who he believes wanted the job, prompting her to engineer the mandatory reporting concerns in an effort to elbow out a presidential rival. 
With the lawsuit, he sues her and all these alleged co-conspirators for interfering in this prospective succession to the presidency. And then a month after that lawsuit's filed, the board releases Quinn Emanuel's report, finally making many of these details of the saga public for the first time. And in it, the firm says a couple big things. One, Woodruff's ousting of Gupta was disproportionate with similar cases and with MSU's policies. Uh, But two... What Gupta did was a violation of a policy and a mishandling a report of sexual misconduct. In it, the firm says a couple things. One, Woodruff's ousting of Gupta was disproportionate with other similar cases and with MSU's policies. Two, what Gupta did was a violation of policy and a mishandling of sexual misconduct. And three, it it finds no evidence for or against this succession scheme theory that Gupta says is behind all this. And it also found another previously unknown tidbit that OIE had actually attempted to close the investigation into Hadlock's conduct, but MSU's general counsel stopped them and asked that it continue. That prompts Gupta to amend his lawsuit, making general counsel Brian Quinn a defendant. He also then adds all eight members of MSU's board as defendants, saying that after Quinn Emanuel's report is released, he feels that they knew enough to stop the administration from conspiring against him, but didn't. And since then, there's been a lot of legal back and forth. MSU's administrators have called the whole suit a, quote, desperate last-ditch plea for the court to take on the role of a super personnel department, reversing a decision that Gupta's unhappy with. And Gupta's stuck with his claims, and they've gone back on this. It's ongoing. And so that's where we're at, you know, and I have no idea how this whole saga is going to end. But I want to finish this sort of simplified retelling by going back to where we started with Charles Hadlock, because despite these issues, the consequences for Woodruff and Gupta the $1.6 million that MSU's board spent on that Quinn Emanuel investigation, all these impassioned speeches over the last year in the faculty senate and from his supporters at MSU board meetings, Hadlock, the guy who started all this, left the whole thing pretty much unscathed. If you're a loyal listener of the 1909, you might remember his name because we actually talked about him in our Past the Harasser episode. That's because about a month after the MBA party, as the OIE and FASA are investigating what happened, Hadlock left MSU and took a job at Pitt, where he's still teaching today. He's the chair of their finance department. Because he got out before the MSU investigation concluded, before all the news reports and the Quinn Emanuel investigation, Pitt had no idea what happened when they hired him that summer. And eventually they did find out, when a bunch of Michigan newspapers were reporting on their new professor because of his connection to the whole Gupta saga that we just talked about. Uh, And I'm told by a spokesperson that they looked into it and they discussed it, But as of now, he's still a professor at Pitt, teaching an undergrad business class three times a week. So that's our show for this week. We'll be back next Thursday with more stories. Until then, what we discussed today and plenty of others are available at statenews.com. Thank you to our incredible podcast director, Anthony Brinson. And most of all, thank you for listening. For the 1909, I'm Alex Walters.